is the Storymobile podcast. We are a solar-powered moving art space that travels to events and through neighborhoods to collect your stories. The St. Paul Almanac book was created in 2005 and has since been released annually. The goal is to bring together the diverse community of St. Paul through literary arts. The Almanac is a meeting place for sharing stories and artwork of our community. This year, the St. Paul Almanac released their 11th volume, On a Collected Path. As part of a reading festival, authors have gathered at various venues throughout St. Paul to read their fabulous work. On Friday, June 2nd, Storymobile was at Golden's Lower Town to hear authors read their work from St. Paul Almanac on a Collected Path, Volume 11. Uh, next up we have Janet Lunder Hannafin. Janet grew up on a South Dakota farm, transplanted, her, transplanted herself to St. Paul for college, and grew deep roots. Her writing has appeared in local and metro-wide publications. She and her husband have two children of five grandchildren, all above average, and enjoy the companionship of two very fine cats. Please welcome Janet. I can say that little did I know when all this really, really happened that it ever occurred to me that I would confess it, write about it, and get paid for it. <laughs> so this is the tiger and the bell tower. I had my chance and I blew it more than once so I never got to be a real co-ed. I fell in love with McAllister College the first time I saw those ivy-decked brick buildings. If you came from a little South Dakota farm town, St. Paul was London, Paris, Mecca, and realistically about as far away as I could hope to get. In the fall of 1961, our senior high school class went on a field trip to Minneapolis, traveling on two rickety former Greyhound buses owned by our Lutheran boarding school. One was rumored to have no brakes. The other added extra seating by putting a row of ancient folding chairs down the aisle for stragglers who didn't board in time to get a real seat. Mr. Peterson, our bus driver, math teacher, principal, knew that I had an interest in McAllister and had pretty decent grades followed by a Chevy station wagon driven by two female chaperones who couldn't stand the din on the group transport, Mr. Peterson led the unlikely caravan through the pre-I-94 city streets, across the mighty Mississippi and along Summit Avenue until we got to the campus, and then back and forth through the campus, down Snelling, right on Grand, left on McAllister Street, right on Lincoln, right on Cambridge, back to Grand, and then south on Snelling, past the Student Union, and what I would later learn were the men's dorms, the gym and the field house. Mr. Peterson made one of the boys give up his front row window seat for the excursion so that I could see everything. My mind was made up, McAllister or die. The stars aligned, and I do not say that lightly. My mother's best friend ever since their kindergarten days just happened to be the dean of women. So, though I was heading into the abyss, my mom had a direct line to in loco parentis. I learned, even before coming to McAllister, that to be an official co-ed, a college girl had to be kissed by an upperclassman under the bell tower in front of the library. 
Then, to announce the deed, the fellow would ring the bell. I couldn't wait to write my high school friends about the experience I was sure would happen soon. But during freshman week, I learned a second bit of lore from the sophomore girls who lived on our floor. A man-eating tiger had starved to death on the McAllister campus. Great. A sophomore boy invited me to the homecoming dance, and the kiss could have happened that night, but there was a line at the bell tower, and the darn bell rang and rang. As a freshman, I had to be in the dorm by midnight or get campused, a punishment that would keep me locked up in my dorm for three or four weekends. The sophomore wasn't worth that, and my dream of a romantic induction to co-edhood was put on hold. Late one winter evening or afternoon, I was trudging back to the dorm from English class held in the old Quonset huts that would later be replaced a couple of years later by the Janet Wallace Fine Arts Center when a voice beside me said, you're heading to the grill for a cup of coffee, right? Really? There was, I can only call him, a college man looking at me and smiling. Uh, yeah? He fell into step beside me. I knew what he said. I am too. On the short walk to the grill, he told me his name, Bruce, and that he was a senior majoring in economics. I must have told him it was my dad's birthday because he informed me that we would have cake, and he ordered two black coffees and a chocolate cupcake, which we shared. Then he said he'd walk me back to my dorm, but he steered me out of my way, on a bitterly cold afternoon toward the bell tower. Are you a co-ed, he asked. No. Well then, he was already reaching for the rope. But dang, it was light out, and there were people everywhere, and my history professor was coming out of the library. I don't think so, I said. He smiled. And it was a beautiful, friendly smile that I would have loved to try on. Sure? Yeah. He walked me to my dorm. Tell your dad happy birthday, he said. Thanks for the coffee. I know where you live. I'll see you around. But he never did. By spring, I was watching much more carefully for that man-eating tiger, whom I suspected was pretty hungry than for college men. And I never did become a co-ed. Thank you. To hear more stories, learn more about Storymobile, and to find out where we'll be pedaling off to next, visit storymobile.org.